Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 340 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. So the NBA Finals have started. And I don't like to... what what In, in an NBA series, in a, in a playoff series, I don't like to jump to conclusions after game one after one game because again it's the first of four not the first of one this isn't march madness however what we saw in game one of the nba finals against the denver nuggets and miami heat should be let me start like this the first part of this episode i'm going to talk solely to Heat fans. Congratulations, of course, to the Denver Nuggets for winning game one of the NBA Finals, 104 to 103. But this first part of this episode is going to be for Heat fans. And how one of the biggest reasons why I had Denver in six, and honestly, six was a little generous for me. I really wanted to say Denver in five, but I gave Denver in six. One of the biggest reasons why I have Denver in six is because of a lot of what we saw in game one, which is why I think this game one is a little different than usual. This game one that we saw, while yes, again, I don't like to put a lot of stock into game one, you have to put a lot of stock into this game one. And let me explain. And and I understand why Heat fans sh- would have some type of uh, some type of uh, hope after Game One, and I also understand why there should be major concern if you're a Miami Heat fan or Miami Heat player after Game One. Let me let me let me break it down. What did we see in Game One? That's where we have to start. What did we see in game one of the NBA Finals? We saw the Miami Heat come in with a game plan, and their game plan was obvious. We're going to let Nikola Jokic do whatever he wants offensively as far as scoring the ball. What What we're going to try to do and what the game plan is is Nikola, no one's gonna, no one on this team is gonna stop Nikola Jokic. We just got to make sure everybody else around him doesn't go off, or everyone else around him doesn't eat. That's always a uh, an interesting strategy. And don't get me wrong, I understand it. You saw that strategy a lot when LeBron James is at the height of his powers, and it's just like no one's ever gonna stop LeBron James. Like it's it's just not gonna happen. But what we're going to try to do is, all right, we can't let J.R. Smith go off. We can't let Anthony Davis go off. We can't let Kyrie Irving or, or, or Kevin Love or Dwayne Wade. We can't let the others. Now, yes, they're, they're great players, but compared to LeBron James, we can't let the others go off. Because if the others go off and LeBron James is going to do what he does, there's no we have no shot to win. Nikola Jokic, and we'll talk about this in a second. Nikola Jokic, one of the biggest, one of the biggest uh, 
attributes that he brings is not only does he get effortless points, but he gets everyone involved, which is why, I mean, he's averaging a triple-double in the NBA playoffs. And, again, it, it, it's different. It's, it's, it's different if Nikola Jokic has, you know, t- last night or in the NBA game one, he had 27 points, 14 assists, 10 rebounds. It'll be different if he had 20, 27, 10, and, and 3. I feel if you if you limit Nikola Jokic, which is crazy that you say limit, but if you limit Nikola Jokic to that number, to, to 24, 3 assists and 10, 10 rebounds, I think Miami Heat would win game would win that game. Or hell, you you let Nikola Jokic had a 50-point game and lost. Remember that. He had a 50-point game against the the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs and lost. Why? Because nobody else really got involved. Jamal Murray was struggling. KCP wasn't knocking his shots down. Michael Porter Jr. wasn't knocking his shots down. Nicole, their their game plan for that game, and honestly for the series, was, yo, Nicole Jokic is going to do what Nicole Jokic does. Just let, Just don't let anyone else do that. Or just don't let anyone else go off. Which, of course, easier said than done, but... That's the game plan. And that's the game plan that the Miami Heat came in with in game one. Here is where I feel the cause for concern has to be when we talk about the Miami Heat. And as unfortunate as it is to say this, the Miami Heat did a great job with that game plan and did a great job defending Nikola Jokic. I mean, Nikola Jokic, he, they did a really good job. I know the numbers don't speak it. Again, 8 for 12, which is 60, 66% um, from the field, 50% from three. He had uh, he, 10 for 12 from the free throw line, 83%. I know the numbers don't say, don't, don't, don't speak on they, you know, the Miami Heat doing a good job guarding Nicole Jokic, but they did the game plan that they had was the smart game plan. And they did a good job at defending Nikola Jokic. Again, the numbers don't say it, but they did. If you watch the game, they did a great job at defending Nikola Jokic. But here is where the cause for concern is. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter. Nikola Jokic, again, a triple-double, 27, 14, and 10. The, the, and it was the others. Like Jamal Murray had 26 points. Uh, Aaron Gordon had 16. Michael Porter Jr. had 14. Bruce Brown had 10. You had one, two, three, four, five. Five players in double figures. That that You're going to lose every time. And don't get me wrong. It's not because the Miami Heat didn't play good defense. It's just the Denver Nuggets. It just felt like the Denver Nuggets are so much better than Miami Heat. And there are times when you go into a game against a team, and it doesn't matter what your game plan is. If the other team is better, it's just going to, it doesn't matter. I know I talk about Golden State a lot. On this uh, on on this podcast, right on this on this 
when we talk about basketball, what I like to do is I like to give references and I like to compare references so you get a better understanding of what I'm talking about. While no, I'm not saying this Denver Nuggets team is the 2017 Golden State Wars. I'm not saying that at all. But when you look at that 2017 Golden State Warriors, the same Warriors that went 16 and one in the NBA playoffs, it when you're it doesn't matter what your game plan was. It, it there's no way that you're stopping Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green four times. No way. You can have the best game plan possible. It doesn't matter. Because that team that you're playing is just so much superior, like it's it's so much better than than your team, and there's absolutely nothing you can do. The reason why the Miami Heat, in my opinion, should have cause for concern is because it was apparent, at least in game one. Now again, things can change drastically. The Miami Heat in my opinion, beat the Boston Celtics, and I feel the Boston Celtics were the better team. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks. I feel the Milwaukee Bucks were the better team. But when you looked at when you look at the Miami Heat on the floor and you look at the Denver Nuggets on the floor, both teams look drastically different. The, the Denver Nuggets just look better. They're bigger. I mean, Aaron Gordon started off the game. I think he had like four layups. And it wasn't just like bunny layups. Like, no, they were contact. I'm bigger than you. I'm going to put my shoulder in your chest, and I'm going to rise up for the layup. He did it like four times on different people. I think he did it on Caleb Martin. He did it on uh, Gabe Vincent. He, Aaron Gordon exuded his dominance. Michael Porter Jr., he went 2 for 11 from three, but he he's 6'11 or 6'9". So he was just shooting over people. And, of course, Jamal Murray, who has emerged as one of the better offensive weapons in the league, went 50. I mean, he had 26 points. The Miami Heat should, or Miami Heat fans, Miami in general, should feel, should feel a little bit of concern because the game plan that you went into, that went into the game worked. And it was working well. Don't get me wrong. And you still found yourself down, what, 17 points at halftime because the Denver Nuggets are just that good. Another reason why the Miami Heat should have a cause for concern. And it kind of goes back to the, the, the Boston Celtics series. When you really look at it, why and how did the, the, did the Miami Heat win that Boston Celtics series? They won off the backs of their role players, of the players that you didn't expect to go off but did. You, They won off the backs of Caleb Martin. They won off the backs of Max Struess. They won off the backs of Gabe Vincent. They won off the backs of Duncan Robinson. And while, yes, Jimmy Butler did sprinkle a couple of, uh, <laughs> a couple of good games, he was relatively inefficient after game three. And Bam Adebayo, as I stated before, the series started, has struggled most of the playoffs. Bam Adebayo had the best game he's had, in my opinion, this playoffs. He had 26 points, 13 rebounds, 
five assists. Bam Adebayo played. He was the the Miami Heat's best player on the floor. And it didn't matter. Because the the trend that we're seeing with Jimmy Butler, which I don't you know what I think it is with Jimmy Butler? I, I think I'm understanding what it is. I, people are saying that Jimmy Butler takes games off. Or Jimmy Butler, he waits to preserve himself when the time is right. I don't believe that's the case. What I believe is Jimmy Butler, is he's a, he's a much, 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 much better version of Patrick Beverly. And what I mean by that is... You come in and your biggest attribute, your best strength is energy. You give energy, you give defense, you give that dog mentality, which of course permeates throughout the entire Miami Heat roster. Once that happens, it you're, you're able, you can get further in your career than you would if you were just a talented person. I mean, think about it. Steph Curry has to doesn't have to. I mean, how do I how do I say this? Patrick Beverly's approach to the let me just stay on Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's approach to the game is drastically different than a Kevin Durant's approach to the game. They're just their personalities are different. Not saying that one is drastically better than another. I'm just saying, and and I'm not saying one approach to the game is is better or worse than the other. I'm just saying their approaches have to be better or different. What I think it is is because we've seen this nearly every playoffs, every playoff, every time Jimmy Butler's in the playoffs, is he just starts like he starts hot. And he just 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 starts to take a, a, a gradual decline. I just think the energy, the well that you're trying to to that that it, it's tough coming being the the energy guy or being the 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 inner being the the it's hard coming to the game and giving a hundred percent all the time. People look at Russell Westbrook, and I'm not saying that you don't try to do it. Don't get me wrong. But people look at Russell Westbrook. There's a reason why he's a freak of nature. But the, but you also look at Russell Westbrook. There's things that he's good at and there's things that he's not good at. One thing that, of course, he's great at is giving energy all the time. Like, he goes 100% every single play. But there's a reason why we've only seen one Russell Westbrook probably ever. And there's also a reason why Russell Westbrook, his his IQ isn't all the way there. Uh, or basketball IQ, let me say. Uh, and he's not the best offensive weapon. I just feel we're not seeing we're seeing the decline of Jimmy Butler in these playoffs because it's hard to give a hundred percent all the time. And it's hard when you are the man. And there's there's reason why there's a difference between star star and superstar, and we'll have that conversation in a second. But there's a difference between star and superstar, and that's why I I still question if Jimmy Butler is a superstar because you have to. There's a certain level of there's an expectation 
what you're going to bring to the game every single game. And yes, there are times where superstars don't live up to those expectations or don't have the best game, but it's not like a, it's not a, it, 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 they don't string that along. And like I said, since game three of the Eastern Conference Finals, Jimmy Butler has not been playing well. So that's another reason why the Miami Heat should have a cause for concern because you wasted a good Bam out of bio game. Bam, again, 26 points, 13 rebounds, five assists. And you wasted it because, and, and it goes back to my original point, the Miami Heat have been winning because you getting contributions from Caleb Martin. You're getting contributions from Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson. Well, what happened in game one? Caleb Martin ended the game with three points, one for seven from the field, one for two from three. Max Struess, 0 for 10, finished the game with zero points. Duncan Robinson, 1 for 6, finished the game with three points. Now, yes, Gabe Vincent had 19, and you're going to look and say, well, Hayward Highsmith, who's from the crib, by the way, had 18 points. Yeah, you can have those 18 points from uh, Highsmith because you're the players that you need to score and you need to be better or not. Caleb Martin, he was having an historic and, and a, a, a huge run in the Eastern Conference Finals. You had to know that either that was going to continue and we were, we're watching one of the greatest runs that we've ever seen from a player that we would not expect or he was going to come back to reality. Well, at least game one, he, Duncan Robinson, and Max Struess all came to reality. There's no way that three, well, three of three key players that you need to win finishes with six points combined. Now, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not trying to be. Just solely Debbie. I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer. And I'm not trying to just pile on with the Miami Heat. Again, it is game one. And while you did see a lot that a lot of things that I feared about the Miami Heat in game one. I mean, uh, in this series, you did see in game one. There were some positives, right? The Miami Heat were down, what, 17 points at half and ended the they they only lost by eleven, and there was a they were they they made a mean run. Also, the Miami Heat didn't they finished the Miami Heat didn't shoot well at all. They they missed a lot of wide open shots. That's one thing that I know about the Denver Nuggets, and that we've seen throughout this entire playoffs and the regular season. They give up a lot of wide open shots. Not saying that they're bad. They're a bad defensive team. They're a middle of the pack defensive team, but they do. Your, your, there are opportunities there. You just have to capitalize on it. And the Miami Heat missed a lot of threes. I mean, missed a lot of threes. They missed a lot of shots in general. Like, think about it. Damn, Gabe Vincent took 10 threes? They missed. Let me see. They, they went 13 for 39 from three. They went 39, from, 39 for 96 from the, from the floor. 41% if you want to round up. So, 
I guess on the positive side and on the bright side, you can look and say, well, if we hit a lot of those shots, the game looks different, which I do agree. Also, I think the, yeah, <laughs> the Miami Heat as a whole went, had took, as a whole, as a whole team, took two free throws. And that was from Hayward Highsmith. They took two free throws the entire game, while the Denver Nuggets took 20. So there are things that you can look at and say, well, if things go a little differently, then, of course, the game will look differently, which I understand. And I am past the point of saying that the Miami Heat don't deserve to be in the finals because they obviously do. And again, I'm not saying that the NBA Finals is over. I'm not saying that Denver just automatically is going to win now that they won game one. But the one of the biggest reasons or one of the reasons why I'm more confident in Denver now is because everything that I thought would happen or every advantage, let's say this, every advantage that I thought Denver had in this series showed its head in game one. And unless there are some major adjustments, and honestly, I don't know if those adjustments can be made because, again, if you look at it, the game plan that Miami Heat came into the game with, they actually executed very well. It just didn't matter. It didn't matter. Miami Heat are a small team. Denver is huge. Like... That's a big team we're dealing with. So, it is just game one, and game two will be on Sunday, and we'll see what happens. But, like I said, there are some things to... There are some things that you can lean your head on and say if they... For the Miami Heat. If X happens differently, we could win. But there are some things that you have to be eerily concerned about. Also, the fact, I don't know if Kevin Love's hurt, but why isn't Kevin Love playing? Especially when you're struggling mildly from three. So, I don't, I don't know. Another, and we're, we're, we're sticking to the, to the NBA Finals right now. Another conversation that's been had majority of this year but has started to catch steam, of course, in this playoffs, is the best player in the world debate. Who is the best player in the world? Mind you, now, the best player in the world and face of the NBA are two completely different conversations. I would like to make that clear now. But the conversation is who is the best player in the world? And for the longest, for the longest, this conversation has been easy. And it's been easy because it's been one player and nobody else is really close. It was LeBron James and nobody was close to LeBron James. Don't get me wrong. You had some great players. You, you have, of course, Kevin Durant, one of the greatest offensive weapons we've ever seen. You have... James Harden, and we'll talk about James Harden in a second. You had Russell Westbrook. You had Steph Curry. But at his height, 
at the magnum opus, at his at his peak, at his precipice, LeBron James was the best player by a country mile. So it was easy to have that conversation. But I will say probably 2015-16, the conversation started to get a little more difficult because we were seeing things that we've ne- that that we've never been able to well we we never thought that we see we're seeing things from players that we never have seen i mean we've never seen a player not only shoot 400 or make 400 threes in a 400 plus threes in a regular season but finish the season shooting above 30% and still finishing over you know with the in the 50 40 90 club while leading their team to a 73 and 9 regular season win or regular season record that was Stephen Curry in 2016 now yes for everyone that's going to spam my comments yes i understand how it ended but in 2016, we saw something that we have never seen. Then, and while no, I'm not saying that Russell Westbrook was the best player ever or best player in the, in the world, but we also saw a player average a triple-double multiple years. Something that we never thought that we would see. We saw that in Russell Westbrook. Then we saw Kevin Durant have one of the most efficient seasons he has ever had. And because it's one of the most efficient seasons he's ever had, it was one of the most efficient seasons in NBA history. I'm not saying these are back-to-back-to-back, but what I'm saying is between 2015 to now, we've started to see things and see players that we've never thought that we've seen, which makes the best player in the world conversations more difficult. So we get here today. And the question is, is Nikola Jokic the best player in the world? To answer that question, I am going to give my criteria of what makes a player the best player in the world? Like I said, since probably 2015-16-ish, the whole best player in the world conversation started to get a little harder. And if you look today, there are the talent level of the NBA, especially the top of the NBA, is more crowded than it's ever been. It's more crowded than it's ever been just because of the sh- like think about the players that you could ar- you could argue are the best players in the world and if you you could have a compelling argument Steph Curry Giannis Antetokounmpo Joel Embiid who just won this year's MVP Nikola Jokic Luka Doncic Kevin Durant, LeBron James still. 
Hell, before he he went crazy, you could talk about John ja Moran. What I'm saying is the talent level is so much more crowded at the top than it's been in recent memory. That I don't think that there is a clear-cut number one player that you can just attach to and ride along with. So the way that I do it is who was the best player this year? Who was the best player this year? And I understand that a lot of people probably don't agree with my assessment of how we talk about it. And my and, and there are still people to this day that think LeBron James is the best player in the world. And hey, if that's how you feel, cool. But my criteria, my criteria is who was the best player this year? Because the talent level is so crowded at the top, it's 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 harder to name a player the 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 best player in the world and just sit there. And when I mean just sit there, I mean like you know you say LeBron James is the best player in the world, and he was the best player in the world from two thousand six to like two thousand and fifteen, probably two thousand sixteen, ten years. And even in 2016, it was still arguable. So you can probably go all the way up to 2020. So the question is, is Nikola Jokic the best player in the world right now? I say we are witnessing the best player in the world. I told you when we talked about Jimmy Butler's approach to the game. Everyone's approach to the game is differently because everyone's skill set is differently. Is different. Jimmy Butler can't do the same things that Kevin Durant does. Nikola Jokic can't do the same things Steph Curry does. Steph Curry can't do the same thing Giannis Antetokounmpo does. Giannis can't do the same thing Luka Doncic does. Luka can't do the same thing Joel Embiid does. So everyone's approach to the game is different. And 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 it's what's better for them. But Nikola Jokic we're seeing things from him that one we shouldn't be able to see. It shouldn't be physically possible to do a lot of things that he does. And two, he's been, especially if you talk about the last few years, he's been consistent at it. There's a reason why for a good portion of this of this season, it was understood and probably a fact that he was leading the MVP votes and could very possibly have been the first player since Larry Bird to win three straight MVPs. His vision, his offensive touch, his offensive weaponry, his his touch around the rim, the way he's able and he, his his IQ. 
the way he understands that the ball has energy and it's very easy for him to get 40 50 points as we've seen but it's also it's 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 more cohesive to winning and more beneficial to the team if instead of getting 50 points he gets 26 14 and 10 Nikola, the the problem with Nikola Jokic that or a lot of people say or Nikola Jokic suffers from the Tim Duncan problem. When we talk about greatness and we talk about some of the best players, a lot of times people forget to mention Tim Duncan until you mention like, oh, yeah, I forgot about Tim. Tim. Tim Duncan is not the most flashiest player. Basketball is a game of flash. Basketball is a game of energy. Basketball is a game of of flair. And Tim Duncan is the very opposite of all of that. (laughs) However, if you're able to master the fundamentals and able to do exactly what you need to do, whether it's flashy or not, you're going to be successful, i.e. Tim Duncan having, what, five championships. Nikola Jokic is not the most flashy, but even though he makes some beautiful passes, he's not the most flashy player. He's, I mean, he's Serbian. He doesn't have the best English. So he's not the most marketable player. But... Outside of his defense, which I will admit, his defense this entire playoffs has been great. But outside of him being consistent on the defensive side of the ball, there is nothing that Nicole Jokic can't do. It's just he's not as flashy again as uh, LeBron, LeBron or Steph or, or KD or John Moran or, or Kyrie Irving. He's not as as his game's not as loud, but it is effective. So, when we have the conversation, or when the conversation I've had is who was the best player, or is Nikola Jokic the best player in the world? I'll say right now, yes. And I'm not just saying that because in the finals. I'm saying that because what we've seen this year, on top of, the elevated or, or him elevating his game in the playoffs on top of what we're seeing in the NBA finals, at least this year, he is the best player in the world. That doesn't take away from how great other players are. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that next year that the, 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 the name will change. And with the name changing, that doesn't take, that doesn't take away from Nikola Jokic, but this has been continued dominance for at least three years now. So, yes, I think Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world right now. What I'm about to do is I'm about to do something that you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to do it in podcasting. You're really not supposed to do it in conversations. But I'm going to try and I'm going to attempt to do that today. 
What I'm going to do is I'm going to try to have three conversations in one. The reason why you're not supposed to do this is usually one conversation doesn't doesn't get completed. <laughs> but I'm I'm what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to have three conversations in one. And with those three conversations, it's going to paint the bigger picture, the picture that I want to paint. And I'm, I'm going to try to paint. So follow along with me. Three things happened over the past few days that sparked this topic. First one was, of course, Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat making it to the NBA Finals. First team since the New York Knicks, I believe, in 1999 to make it, to be an eighth seed and make it to an NBA Finals. And I also think that they will be the, if they win the NBA Finals, they will be the first team ever to beat two number ones, the number one in the West and the number one in the East. And... We've also seen the run that Jimmy Butler has been on this playoffs, whether we talk about the 50, what, six, 56 points against the Bucks or game seven win, the, the, the New York Knicks series, and at least the first three games of the Boston Celtics series. So that's – so Jimmy Butler's emergence – and Jimmy Butler's playoff expertise and his playoff excellence is one of is is one of the biggest or is the first cog to this trio. The second cog was Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse getting introduced as the newest head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. And Nick Nurse was pretty much asked, "Do you want James? Do you want James Harden to return? Is is James Harden returning? Is that what you want?" And he pretty much he he danced around it a little bit, but he ended it with saying that I would love James Harden back. And. That's the second pillar. And the third pillar, shouts out to Nick Wright from, from FS1. Nick Wright said, if Jimmy Butler wins this year's championship, he would have Jimmy Butler above James Harden as an all-time great. Like, he would put Jimmy Butler ahead of James Harden. So, what I want to do is talk about James Harden and Jimmy Butler for a little bit. And we've been talking about greatness this entire episode. We just had a conversation about Nikola Jokic. I want to discuss how I view both Jimmy Butler 
and James Harden. And who would I rank higher? Because both are very fascinating. But let me say this. Both have very fascinating cases as to why one is better than the other or one is worse than the other. When we talk about James Harden, who, of course, is on the NBA 75, all NBA 75 team. For people that don't know, because I've said that a couple times, for people that don't know what that is, the NBA came out, you know, 75 years who has been the greatest players in that 75 years, and James Harden landed on that list. It's very, everyone knows this, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back to light. At his height, in his Houston Rockets days, James Harden was one of the best, greatest scorers we've ever seen. Not just in the league at the time, in NBA history, he is one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. A lot of people talk about his ability to manipulate the refs and get to the line, but I would attest that that is a skill, and not everyone is able to do that. But we've seen multiple 60-point triple-doubles from James Harden, 57, 58, 52, like 50 We've seen multiple games with James Harden to make you look and think. There, I don't know how one person is able to do that. Which kind of goes back to the original conversation, as or the conversation we just had is, you know, who is the best player in the world? There was a good couple of years where James Harden threw his name in that ring, just because of the sheer talent or offensive talent that he is, and how. His shooting ability and and just his his offensive viewpoint of the game is was second to none. So with all that, what was the knock on James Harden? And arguably, what has been the knock on James Harden his majority of his career? That has been the playoffs. And how the greatness that we've seen in the regular season from James Harden doesn't appear when it's needed the most in the playoffs. Also, of course, we can also talk about the 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 problem of it doesn't it, it has there has been multiple times where James Harden's uh approach to the game has been questioned and approach to the game hasn't been on the winning side now i am a a proponent of what you do off the court what you do off the field is none of our business but i also you also have to understand that especially when you play a high intensity sport that everything you do in life is going to affect the 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 final product so if you don't eat right if you don't work out if you don't get good sleep if you don't have good company around you if you don't put in the extra hours in 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 working out or training if you don't you know take your craft 
a hundred percent seriously, not saying that you can't have, you know, extracurricular or you can't do extracurricular activities, but if you don't put your craft at the forefront, you're not going to get all you're not gonna get out of it everything that you're hoping for. And that has always been a knock on James Harden, majority of his career, which I thought is even more crazy that even when he was dropping the 60-point triple-doubles, that was still the conversation. But we saw every single time in the playoffs, James Harden fizzled out in the biggest moments. I think the worst one was probably against the Spurs, where I think Kawhi Leonard was out and another player was out, and, and James Harden was just god-awful. So... When we talk about the case of James Harden, do we talk about, you know, how do you rank James Harden? Because if you just look at the regular season, like, oh, yeah, that's that's James Harden. Like, James Harden is up there. There's a lot of people that was questioning, and there's a lot of people that put James Harden over Dwayne Wade just because of how good he's been in the regular season. But then when we also tack on the playoffs is like you know but then you go over to jimmy butler and it's almost completely opposite with jimmy butler jimmy butler is not the most offensively gifted player you it is shocking if jimmy butler gets a 30 40 not 30 probably 40 50 point game that's just not in Jimmy Butler's repertoire. Jimmy Butler is going to more than likely guard the best guard or best player if it's relatively close to his height. And he's going to do the dirty things, the dirty work. He's going to play defense. He's going to die for loose balls. He's going to be the, the, the emotional engine that the Miami Heat need. However, Jimmy Butler in the regular season, I'm not going to say he coasts, but maybe he just waits to turn on the post postseason because he he was not on the All-NBA 75 team, and he doesn't have a case when we talk about the regular season. Now, Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, however, is different. Jimmy Butler is one of this generation's best playoff player. Now, yes, it hasn't. Uh, it hasn't equaled a championship. But it kind of goes back to the Carmelo Anthony uh, Carmelo Anthony conversation we had last episode. It's kind of hard when you look at the players that's in this era. And Jimmy Butler, as great as he is, even at the, the, the apex of his greatness, he's not better than a lot of those players. However... Again, in the, in the playoffs, I mean, he led, even though it was the bubble, and a lot of people have... A lot of people look at the bubble sideways, but if you look, even in the bubble, he led the Heat to the NBA Finals. This is the second NBA Finals Jimmy Butler is playing in. And he's played in, what, what three Eastern Conference Finals? One of which he was a, game set, a, a jump shot away from playing in his third NBA, or third NBA Finals. Because of the greatness of Jimmy Butler... And the culture that the Heat have, they're always in contention to make some noise in the playoffs. So, to tie this all around and put a bow on this conversation, the question is, what do you value? 
and I'll answer for myself. I don't think Jimmy Butler has done enough to eclipse James Harden as far as all-time rankings or, you know, when we just talk about greatness. I don't think that Jimmy Butler has done enough to eclipse Jimmy Butler. I mean, uh, James Harden. Harden. However, I think I do also reward winning. And I think that winning plays a big part or will play a big part in it, especially if Jimmy Butler wins the NBA Finals. Because I just look at the road that he's this NBA Finals. At least I just look at the road that he's been on at least this season, losing the first playing game, having to play another playing game, then going up against the best team and arguably the best player at the time in in Giannis Antetokounmpo, then going against the hottest team in the league, and that was the New York Knicks, and then going against arguably, probably one of, if not the best team in the playoffs or in the NBA, and that's the Boston Celtics. All while being the outside of probably Miami, and the plan being this significantly lesser team. And now if he were to win the NBA finals, you would have beaten two number ones and beat arguably the best player in the world in Nikola Jokic. And arguably the best team in basketball in the Denver Nuggets. So I said all that to say, if Jimmy Butler does somehow win the NBA Finals this year at least or let me just say win the NBA Finals then yes I agree with Nick Wright I would probably rank Jimmy Butler over James Harden because James Harden is a great regular season player and has done incredible things for the regular season but when it's when it's needed the most in the playoffs James Harden has come come up small every single time. It's not just a once. Like think about it. Even even like look like think about it, man. Now that I really when he was in OKC NBA Finals, he was awful in the NBA Finals. Now you you attributed that and you you could have chalked that up to well he's young, which is cool. Man, he or the the Rockets gets bounced out, what, the first round or second round against Golden State, then bounced out the second round again against Golden State. Then you're in the Western Conference Finals, have a 2-1 or 3-2 lead. Actually, no, I think you then you get bounced by the Spurs. Then you're in the Eastern or Western Conference Finals. You have a 3-2 lead, and then in game seven, at at show crib, you proceed to, your team, led by you, proceeds to miss, what, 27 straight threes? And then the next year, you lose again. And you go to Brooklyn. You have, then that's when the injuries start piling up. So when James Harden is needed the most, he does not deliver. 
However, when Jimmy Butler is needed the most, especially if he wins his championship, he delivers. So I guess I can say I agree with Nick Wright on something. <laughs> uh, lastly, before we go, I definitely wanted to jump gears. I wanted to talk about the FA Cup. Whoa. I know. Ending the episode of the soccer. <laughs> this is an historic FA Cup. You having Manchester United going up against Manchester City, which is the first time both teams have faced off in the FA Cup finals. Um, to me, you have to ask yourself, it, it, the Manchester City or Manchester United, I'm sorry, they they have struggled majority of the season. However, they are one of, if probably not the hottest team in the FA or in the FA Cup right now. Now, Man City has been better majority of the season, actually the whole season, but it doesn't matter. At this point, you're playing against you're the two teams, the two final teams, and Mano Mano, who is going to be better. Now, when we talk about finals when we talk about the FA Cup your best players have to play and Bruno Fernandez has been great for uh man man you and it's it's <laughs> the thing is he's going to have to be better he's going to have to be better he's going to cuz don't get don't get it twisted while probably man you has the the the, the better history and the more successful history, Man, Man City is definitely the best team or the better team. Uh, and I, I guess I'm going to. Well, because I think Man City, Manchester City won the first time they played. I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Man United. They're just hot. Man U's hot. Uh, I think Bruno's going to play pretty, pretty well. Um, I, I think it's, yeah. I think that it's, it's probably going to be Manchester United. I have Manchester United beating, uh, actually, no. Manchester City, they lost because Man U had a comeback. Oh, change changed my whole opinion. Changed my whole no Manchester City. It's very hard to beat a team twice, especially you have to come back. So I have Manchester City winning the FA Cup over Manchester United, which again, to emphasize, is the first time both uh, storied clubs have played against each other in the FA Cup. Uh, and of course, we know about the storied FA Cup and how it's pretty much the magnum opus of football. So outside of the World Cup. Um, but yeah, I have Manchester City. Just because Manchester United did, I think it was in January, did spark a comeback uh, against Manchester City. And it's very hard to beat a team twice. Very hard. So yeah. That is that is who I have winning the FA Cup, Manchester City. They they have been the better team 
the entire season. And while, yes, Manchester United, I'm not going to disrespect Manchester United, they are the hottest team or the hotter team. Uh, I just I just think that matters until you get to the finals. And at that point, it's like it's mano y mano. So there you have it. Uh, oh, actually, before I go, just I've been asked uh, why I have. Well, how am I going to approach this? Adam Silver came out and pretty much had a press conference about John Morant, and he pretty much said that they found a substantial amount of more troubling things that they just aren't going to release, especially during the NBA Finals, because that's obviously the peak of NBA. Like That is the NBA Finals and the All-Star break is the peak. And it's it's looking bad for John Morant. I'm not going. I've already given my advice. John Morant. I know he's not listening. Obviously, to me. Um, what what I will say is, as a fan, brace yourself for a hefty, lengthy suspension. And and I feel that way because of the type of person that Adam Silver has made himself to be. David Stern probably would have got him out of here for the whole entire season. But because that is the nature of which we know David Stern to be. You know, David Stern was a very a very staunch proponent of being putting the best product out there and and he was very cognizant of the image that the NBA has and if you were to damage that image you were going to be dealt with i.e. the malice in the palace or if people people don't remember because the NBA tried their or tries their best to sweep it under the rug. But remember, there was a huge brawl against the Denver Nuggets and Carmelo Anthony was there too. The Denver Nuggets and the New York Knicks. Now it wasn't as bad as Madison Palace, of course, because nobody was going into the stands, but David Stern dedicated his life to growing and improving the brand that was the NBA. And he was very swift when it came to discipline. Adam Silver is one of those, he's, he's kind of like a player's commissioner. Like he understands that now the NBA is at this point, the most important thing is to promote the players and to put the players front and, and to make sure that the the league is 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 comfortable for the players because ultimately the players would make them money. So you don't see the frustration or the 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 you don't feel that fear of retribution when we talk about 
Adam Silver compared to David Stern. However, every single time you hear Adam Silver talk about this John Morant situation, he looks upset. He looks hurt. He looks like I'm not trying. I'm not supposed nor want to be talking about this. He j- it just looks uncomfortable for him, not because he can't do it, but because I, I just feel the 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 more information they get. Uh, Shannon Sharp, shout out to him. Shannon Sharp said this. The NBA has the second best detect or the sports, sports in general, NBA, NFL have the second best detectives in the world. The number one, of course, is the is the police. If they want to find something, they're going to find something. And for people that are screaming about the whole Second Amendment thing with John Morant. Yeah, you can throw that out the window when we're talking about private entities and while while yes the second amendment is 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 a thing and should be you know i understand it you're you're dealing with a private entity and a private entity is saying they do not want guns in their affiliated with their name i'm sure you you can't just start flashing guns at walmart no you'll get fired now, I'm not saying John Moran's over with, but you know what I'm saying? You can't go to, you can't pull up to work at McDonald's and start flashing guns because that's that's their policy. That's the NBA's policy. So I'm not staying on this any longer. I'm just saying uh, the way that Adam Silver talks about it and the hurt in his voice and the fact that he said that more has been revealed and we're just we're just not going to we're not going to announce any punishment until after the NBA finals just know John Moran is in a world of trouble and when i first thought it was going to be maybe 20 25 30 game suspension i'm kind of leaning on to i'm kind of leaning towards the 50 60 game suspension because they want to make an example out of him, and they want to under they want to show and and sh- they they want to stress to not let this happen again. So we'll see. I guess so after the NBA Finals. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every watching. It definitely, definitely means a lot to me. Continue to comment. I, I enjoy having the conversations in the com- in the comments about. Whatever you guys bring to the comments, just just be respectful, please. Uh, please subscribe or yeah, follow the social medias, Instagram, TikTok. I pretty much post daily and it or let me say pump out content daily or at least I try to. And uh, again, I, I appreciate all the support. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers and I'm uh, I think I'm at like 815 right now. So. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. It, it definitely, definitely means a lot. And it's, and it's, it's an honor, under, honestly, to see how many people uh, 
how many people actually care enough to press the subscribe button. I didn't say, I'm not saying, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's humbling. But until next time, much love.